29th verse, and simply says, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Be reading now from the second chapter of the book of Revelations. Let's pick up with the 16th verse. The simple says, Repent. Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, that no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Bow your heads in the word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, again, as we have this wonderful privilege of standing in your presence, we again recognize the awesome responsibility and the charge that thou hast given us in the handling of your divine word. So we're asking, Father, for your unction. We need your anointing. We need your presence, Father, and we need abilities that can come only from the Master. We pray, Father, as you're working upon our mind, that you would begin to work on the ears and heart and mind of soul of individuals that listen. They might be able to realize and grasp your words that are spoken for a purpose. So, Father, we honor you tonight as we stand in your presence. We honor you in worship and in song. We honor you in testimonies and special songs and in prayer. Now, Father, we feel it a privilege to honor you as we sit under the hearing of thy word and expound the word of God. Father, we're pleased to give you thanks and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. We're going to spend a little time tonight talking about food. That ought to hit the category of about every one of us, shouldn't it? We're talking about food tonight. How many like food? Praise the Lord. Now, some of you don't like food. I can't, I don't believe that now. You're just not committing yourself. How many here don't like food? How many here just don't care? <laughs> I like food. So we're going to talk about food tonight. In the 17th verse, John the Revelator, of course, writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, is writing to a message to the church called Pergamos. Some people pronounce it Pergamos. However it is, it's still a church, and he was writing to that, which is a representative church down to the ages and still represents some uh, churches today or some stages of churches today. And he writes a very peculiar thing. When we begin to read that portion of Scripture, he simply says, He that hath an ear, let him hear 
what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, that's not mysterious. We can all understand that because time and time again, it has been the challenge of God through the mouth those that have called of him to have an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. That's probably one of the most necessary things that there is in the world today is a spiritual ear to hear what God is saying to us, to understand the attitude of God in our day, to understand the Word of God relative to us. And of course that takes a spiritual ear, an ear that is anointed with the Word of God and an ear that is interested in the Word of God. Now, we've often said no subject is interesting to those that are not interested in the subject. And it doesn't make any difference how charismatic the speaker might be or his presentation. If we're not interested in the subject, the subject is dull to us. And that's why God warns through the mouth of those that he called out that we should have an ear. Now, that doesn't mean we have an ear because he knew that he put these little things on every one of us some bigger than others and some littler than others, but we all have the ears. Now, he didn't mean that. He meant an attentive ear, a spiritual ear, worked on by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit of God, to have an ear to hear what the Spirit saith to the church. Our carnal ear cannot hear spiritual things, all right? And a carnal, carnal mind cannot grasp spiritual things. So actually, with a challenge first, he's saying, if you have an ear, spiritual ear, sensitive ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And what a necessity today. That's been good word for 2,000 years and is still good today. And then he runs across something to me that has been very, very hard to understand. He simply says, to him that overcometh, will I give to the eat of the hidden manna? Now, if you notice in that reading, to him that overcometh. In other words, if we take that rendition of it, he's saying to those that have overcome, I'm going to give the privilege of eating from the hidden manna. Now, when we recognize what manna was, and when we recognize why it was given, Manna was a sustaining force, something that would sustain us through adversities and through trials, through temptations, tribulations, in other words, a sustaining presence. It's always what it's been applicable of. And if that be the case, I'm interested in knowing why in the kingdom of God, or having already overcome, why would we need manna? What possible good would manna be to us after entering into the presence of God and having overcome and having been an overcomer. And of course, when you find those things that are simply baffles your thinking, then you have to realize that word of God was translated from one language to another. And a lot of times when we come from the Greek to the English, it fails to express, actually, fully what is being meant. And in searching that out, we find that it's simply saying that he that striveth to overcome will I give to eat of the hidden manna. 
Everybody that is striving to overcome, that is desiring to overcome, is simply going to have the ability to sit down at the table of God and eat the hidden manna. Now, look at manna just a little while in the 16th uh, chapter of Exodus, and you don't have to turn there. It was a thing that God gave to feed the children of Israel in the wilderness. It was a small round thing. It's about as small as hoarfrost that's on the ground. They say it's like a coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Had the taste of fresh oil, and in it, and nobody denies that, in this manna was all the necessary ingredients that it took uh, in the body of the Israelites to make them healthy and to make them strong and to keep them from starving to death. Now that's what manna was placed there for, is to keep them strong, keep them healthy, and keep them from starving. And though it was all they needed, in other words, they didn't need anything else. You see, when God provides for us, when God makes provisions for us, when God sets it down and says, here's what you need, you don't ever need anything else. All right? That goes right back to the same thing. When God puts His Word and writes it down and seals it in our heart, saints of God, we don't ever need anything else other than that Word that abides in us and that we can read. That Word, of course, is God, and God is the Holy Ghost. And, of course, you need nothing else. But in spite of that, Israel of old, like so many today, cried out for more than that. You see, you're always in danger when you're not satisfied with what God gives. You always place yourself in complete danger when you look up at God and say, I want more than you're supplying. And unfortunately, this is what has happened in the Israelites. And he said, they said, of course, this is an old story, you know this. And they said, give us flesh to eat. The thing about it is this. They said, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. We remember that. In other words, they're looking back into this world. And we remember the cucumbers and the melons. And we remember the leeks and the onions and the garlic. They remember all of that. But you see how slick the devil is? They remember all of those things which evidently was good eating to them, but they never remembered the bondage in which they ate and under. They didn't remember the damnation that was upon them. The powers of hell covered their minds to all the things in which they endured while the Egyptians fed them. Now some of the manna, and we're tracing that down because it's necessary, some of the manna was put in a golden pot and was put in the Ark of the Covenant. That was a seal for Israel always to remember that God is the provider. That manna or that bread that was placed in there was a representative thing, and wherever the Ark of the Covenant went, the bread that was in there, the manna was in there to remind the children of Israel that this is what God fed them on. And it stayed that way for centuries. Now, nothing more is heard of the Ark of the Covenant and the rod that budded and the uh, golden pot that the manna was in after Nebuchadnezzar was carried away the vessels of the, of the house of God and put them in a temple of Babylon. And the Jews, I've said this often, the Jews refused to build their temple until they can discover where the Ark of the Covenant is. 
The last temple they built did not contain the Ark of the Covenant. In other words, it was destitute of their God, so to speak. Or they made out like he was there, but when the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, it laid open their mockery. There wasn't an Ark of the Covenant there. This was supposed to be a holy place. God was supposed to have been there, but he never was there. The glory of God never entered into that, to that tabernacle, never entered into the one head restored. In other words, it was just a mockery to God. But in, a, in, in uh, going a little further, the Jews refused to build a tabernacle because the glory of God, they think, is in the Ark of the Covenant. And now all we've got to do is look, and we get to what we're talking about, about Revelations 11 or 12th chapter, somewhere around the 19th verse, and said that the temple of God was opened in the heavens, and there was seen in his temple... The ark of his testimony are his covenant. In other words, it's a heavenly thing. God has it in the heavens, and in there is the bread of life. In there is the staff of life. According to John 6, chapter, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He said, Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. In other words, this did not bring eternal life. But then he goes on to say, This is the bread that cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. And then he simply said, The bread I give you is my flesh. Hallelujah. Now you know where we're going? The Bible says, In the beginning was God. God was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. In other words, what I'm saying is the manna then becomes Christ. That sustaining force that sustained them in the wilderness is here tonight to sustain us in our trek through this wilderness of this world. Now, he says also, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And then the manna in the Ark of the Covenant Seen in the temple of God is Jesus. I said all that to say this. Hidden manna. It says, I'll give you to eat of the hidden manna. Known only to those who suffer with him. Hidden from the eyes of the secular world. Nobody knows where that manna is. Nobody can see where it is. All we have to do is believe that Jesus said he was the bread that came down from heaven. That whatever we need in this life, as we're striving to be overcomers, Jesus Christ said he was it. If we need something in this life tonight, Jesus says I am it. I am the bread of life. I am a hidden man. The world knows nothing about me. The world has no need of me in a sense. But God's talking about individuals that are struggling in trials, that striving to be overcomers, that recognizes their failures, that knows their weaknesses, 
has stumbled and, and fell and got up again and don't know anything else to do, God is trying to tell us tonight that there is a hidden manna that is for us exactly when we need it. But we have to recognize it's there. It's something for us today. It's been for individuals all down through the ages of time, but ours today, given to overcomers, to be used in the time of our trials, in the time of our tribulations, in the time of our persecutions, not in the kingdom of God, but for right now, as it's always been, the Word of God is for us tonight. It's hidden. Nobody knows where it is but God's people. And not all of God's people know where it is. It's only those who are striving to be overcomers in this world. Individuals that have said, I cannot. What God puts in my way, I am determined to see this thing through. I'm going to enter into the kingdom of God shouting glory, hallelujah, and nothing will deter me. Individuals that suffer persecution. Individuals whose home life is disrupted. Individuals who have suffered sickness and diseases and trials and problems that they don't understand and grow weak in body and weak in strength and weak in spirit. Oh, friend, if we could just remember that Jesus said in the Ark of the Covenant is His Word and this is for those that striving to overcome. There's a hidden manna. In other words, there's a hidden source of food for us to be spiritually strong in Jesus. He's trying to tell us that. And I'm wondering sometimes if we ever recognize this is there. You see, if the devil can make us believe that there's nothing more for us, you say, well, is there anything more than the Holy Ghost? No. There isn't other than to learn what the Holy Ghost is and what the Holy Ghost can do. And that it is a reality in the valley and in the pit the same as it is on the mountaintop as we skip like rams in there. To believe that God has a sustaining force to see us through. And to realize that though this world can't give us anything, It'll take from us. It'll find us in our weakest condition and it'll take from us. It'll pick at us. It'll disturb us and it would destroy us. But Jesus says, while you're striving to overcome, I want to reveal unto you something nobody else knows. I want to show you that there's manna hidden for just such times as that. The power of God opened up the Word of God and as I stood and measured that and looked at it, I want to ask you a question. What do you think enabled the heroes of faith to endure the torture that they underwent? The mockings and the scourgings and the stonings and the sawing asunders and being boiled in oil, decapitated, uh, impaled on stakes, and all the sadistic tortures that humanity can imagine. And you stand sometimes and you look at that and you think, Oh God, I can never do it. And these could never have done it either unless they have discovered a source 
that most of us in our present day luxurious living don't know about. And that's hidden manna that comes from heaven that God gives us to eat on and makes us spiritually stronger than we ever imagined and we could be. Hallelujah. He says it here. If you got an ear to hear, what the Spirit is saying into the churches, Jesus is saying, I'm not just what you need for your particular hour. I don't manufacture a new thing. It's always been available. But it's only revealed to those who are striving to overcome, who are bowed low with afflictions, who are suffering adversities, who haven't found any answers anyplace else. Jesus is saying, take a bite of the Word of God. Sink your teeth deep into the Word of God, and you'll have something there. And it was the hidden manna. That's why these individuals could go to the stake. That's why these individuals could worship God. That's why these individuals beaten and bruised and battered and sore could continue to worship God without renouncing Him because they had discovered a source of strength that they never knew existed. They got a hold of God's mighty hand and they sank their teeth into some Word and it become roots in their body and they become stronger instead of weaker. And this baffled the powers of the enemy. They couldn't understand it. Hallelujah. And all the time God says, if you'll hear what the Spirit says, I want to reveal to you something that is hidden from the eyes of everyone but those that are striving to be overcomers. They don't know anything about it because they never enter into places like this. You often wonder what gave the Apostle Paul. You look at him and we think sometimes he's all heroes of faith were super spiritual men and women that the Bible defines them as men just like us, needing God every time they turned around. And then you look at their lives. The Apostle Paul, when he in the 27th chapter of Acts, when the, the life of those people was in jeopardy, the Apostle Paul went and prayed. If there ever was a time that this man needed some hidden manna, it was right then. And he prayed, and his words was, There stood by me this night an angel from the Lord. In other words, when I needed him, he was there. Hallelujah. He never failed me, and he told me what to do. Don't let anybody depart from the ship. A supernatural presence of God. A sustaining force. A word that gives more strength than we can ever imagine that it would be there. And this manna is a lasting manna. And you often wonder what gave Paul the courage to glorify God as his head rolled from his shoulders. It was a man that spent his life ministering for the Lord. An individual in weaknesses, in torment, and in problems, and in trouble, out of one city into another, tossed and turned, and mocked by humanity, and yet someplace, somewhere, he got a hold of some miraculous power that made him more than equal for the task in the next city where he went. He had discovered something you and I need tonight. The hidden manna from heaven that comes when we need him. God never runs out. Amen. God never runs dry. It is you and I that fail to realize He's God. And He's our God any time 
But the Apostle Paul went to Rome, ministered when he knew he was in jeopardy, and finally they drug him out for himself where he had converted no telling how many individuals as he was in the dungeon, they drug him out there. And uh, history tells us that this man, this little man, broke loose from those captors that was taking him to the chop block and run and laid his head on that block and said, I'll be glad to give my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the least I can do. Now, he loved life just like I did. And he wanted to live just like I did. What made that man capable? What made him able? You'll have to admit, he had to have more than what most of us have right now. He had to have something inside that most of us don't feel like we have now. And they had a hold of that which was hidden to the eyes of everybody but those that are suffering. And those that needed that was hidden manna. It was hidden manna. I was reading when I was studying on this the account of, a, of a John Huss. And he was given the opportunity to recant, to denounce his convictions concerning this message, and it would save his life. Now then, when we're faced with that, and I've said this again often, when we're faced with that, it seems like just a little thing. For us to just deny the Lord a little bit, for after all, most of us are accustomed to denying Him just a little bit. Amen, Brother Hoskall. And it looks like He would be merciful enough to just save us anyway, knowing it was our life. But this man was faced with an option. They gave an option. You can deny your Christ. Are we going to take your life? And this man looked at his captors, and I wrote down what he said. He said, I take God to record this day that I have preached none but His own pure doctrine. And what I have preached, I am now ready to seal with my own blood. Now, how could that man do that? The hidden man. Reaching up and getting a hold of something that he had never gotten a hold of before because he hadn't needed it before. And God says it's there. Out away from the eyes of the secular world, out away from denominations, out away from the curious eyes of the onlooker, only those who are striving to overcome in God is this available. And it says this, his clothes were stripped from his body. Only his boots was remaining. He was marched across the field to stake through snow and ice outside the city. He was tied and straw and wood was piled up around him to his chin. And they set this on fire. And this is recorded, said, while he burned, he sang songs and prayed until the flames stifled his voice, and his spirit ascended beyond the reach of vicious and sadistic men. How could this man do this? It's beyond our imagination. Even we that are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, 
that have saw God work miracles time after time is going to have to submit that he got a hold of something and sank his teeth into something that we are going to have to have and that very soon. That's the heavenly manna from God that's hid to our eyes. Until we can look up into the kingdom of God and see the ark of the covenant there and know our food is the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ and to know that this is the sustaining word of God. Hallelujah. God's word. God's pure, true, tried and tested word where man has stood upon and lived as well as died. Sank his teeth into something that enabled him to do more than we could possibly imagine that he could do. They had in the olden times what they called a Mamertine prison. I don't know if anybody's ever read about that or not, but you ought to read it sometime. It's described as a cell that's cut out of solid rock, consisting of two chambers, one chamber above the other one. The lower chamber is called a death cell. Light never enters in it, and it's never cleaned. Individuals uh, do whatever they have to do in there, and, they, it, and it's never changed. Light's never in there. The awful stench where thousands of Christians were murdered every year generated a poison that's fatal to those that were confined there for the most awful ever known. There's never been a prison like this. Alcatraz could hold not even a candle to this prison. We're told that Simon Peter was cast into this prison for nine months in absolute darkness, manacled to a post in an upright position where he couldn't even sit down, and said he endured the most awful type of treatment Historians write that never before since has there been a prison of such horror. And men would starve to death and they would go insane. And we are told in history that in spite of this, this man called Peter, this individual that denied Christ three times, this individual that confessed him three times, this individual that uh, preached that great message on the day of Pentecost, this individual got a hold of something that he'd never got a hold of before. And it says, His spirit remained in him undaunted. And in spite of his suffering, it says he converted 47 men in that awful prison into the kingdom of God and ushered them into the kingdom of God. How could this man do this? Hidden manna. Hidden manna. Hallelujah. Christ our Lord. Provisions made for us, saints. Provisions made for us, regardless of whatever circumstances we are called to be in. Provisions made for us. I'm challenged tonight. I said, I'm challenged tonight. You say, this is a doomsday message. We need a few of them. We need to be shaken. Somewhere our laxity needs to be shaken. We need to be put into action because one of these days, without a shadow of a doubt, we're going to face some of these things whether we like it or not. And we're going to have to realize there is nothing impossible with God. That same God that saw us through thus far is going to see us through whatever we have to go through. He's going to be there. I'm challenged with the fact and deep down inside of these that have suffered, these that are suffering now, and those that will suffer, I am persuaded to believe that deep down inside of them, hidden from the eyes of normal beings, there is 
somebody someplace with a voice that says, I have what you need to sustain you in this hour. I have your food for you to give you spiritual strength in this hour. And they partake and eat of the hidden manna, the divine strength of God. Hallelujah, that enables them to go to the stake, to be burned, praising God. Hallelujah, the last words, can you imagine, had emits from a burned body in another tongue and honor God. Friend, don't tell me there isn't something beyond what you and I have sank our teeth in. There's something there, friend, awaiting us. And something that's going to take our hand and let us know that wherever we're forced to go, Jesus Christ of Nazareth has already walked there and not a step will be taken by ourselves. He's going to be there with us. Hidden matter. Stored up for God's people in spite, in spite of what the world says and in spite of what the world thinks. Fifty million saints were slaughtered during the dark age. Fifty million saints who might or might not have known God in the power that we know Him in. But yet from somewhere, from somehow, they got a hold of something that made them stand fast with the Lord Jesus Christ. Died the most horrible deaths. If you haven't read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you ought to pick it up sometime and see how many pages you could read without getting sick. Because therein is told how some of the most sadistic tortures that humanity has ever been called upon to endure and poured out with sadistic force on God's people. Someplace, somewhere, they got enough of God in their life. I realize if they ever needed God, they needed Him then. And God sent down that supernatural hidden manna and said, Here, take this. This is all you're going to need to be able to go through all these things that you went through. Now, in the ancient tabernacle, the high priest alone knew where the pot of manna was hidden. Our high priest is the only one that knows where he is. Hallelujah. He's the only one that knows where it is. And He's able to dispense this life and this inner strength of which manna is a type any time He sees a child of God beyond their capacity. Now this makes me want to shout and then it makes me want to cry. Because I realize that for the most part we as God's people have never recognized. If we had, we wouldn't have as many ups and downs. Our life would be more level than it's ever been because we would have the leveler there. We would have the Christ of Calvary there and we'd hear the voice of Him that says, whatever predicament you go through with, there's manna. There's the Word of God. There's the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come and eat of it. And it'll give you what you need. But you need to keep in mind this one thing. I think a lot of us are failures on this part. The manna was just gathered day by day. 
except on the Sabbath. And even so it is today. Our strength and our needs are supplied according to our needs day by day. And as our needs increase, so will God increase in our life. And if we are forced, a lot of people don't think we ever will be, but I somewhere somehow can't imagine that God would let others suffer, bleed, and die without trying at least in some measure His true church to see what she's made out of. I can't imagine that he would come and find her huddling in the corner someplace, able to cope with any power whatsoever. He couldn't be God. And we couldn't believe on him like we ought to believe on him unless somewhere or somehow he put something before us and said, Now then, see how much you can confess me. See how much you can believe in me. You see, we're heading into some very dark days. I've said this not as a doomsday message, but as a challenge to us. We're probably living in the best days, naturally speaking, we're ever going to have. But yet, as the best days, naturally speaking, dies out and comes to an end, the best days, spiritually speaking, is just right around the corner. Where God's people, finally at last, have come to realize that nothing else in this world is worth anything but the power of God in their life and the Word of God in their mouth. Finally, I realized that everything we worked and strived for to build up treasures and what have you is nothing. It's gone. And only what we have in our life, which is Jesus Christ, is going to last. Strength day by day. You may not feel like you have what you need tonight for tomorrow. But that's beside the point. Have we got a hold of what we need today? Have we sank our teeth in God's Word as it is for us today? Have we actually said, God, here's my problem, supply the need. And he lets us know that in the Ark of the Covenant, which is sealed in heaven, is Jesus Christ the Word, which will make us fat, spiritually speaking, and make us anointed. What we need is there, no more and no less. Whatever we need tonight is in Jesus Christ. What you need tomorrow, you'll get tomorrow. But what you need tonight is in Him. You see, we buy trouble a lot of times. We're looking for tomorrow and we're crossing a bridge that's not even there yet. And we're dreading things that's not even there yet. And what God is wanting us to realize has put your feet on the ground. Take one step at a time. Get a hold of my hand. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. In other words, open our spiritual minds and our ears. And listen to what God says. And in the final analysis, what God is actually saying, I'm enough. You don't need any more. Come to me. Walk with me. Follow me. I'm all you need. It's that simple. Nothing spectacular. No booming voice from heaven. No lightning from heaven. No great things. See, we're miracle prone. 
We're miracle-oriented. We feel like God is a God of miracles and He's a great thundering God. And before anything can happen, He's got to thunder something loud or clear. But Elijah learned a word that we need to learn tonight. After he had had that great victory with Jezebel, destroyed her prophets. And what a victory that was. But the very next day, Jezebel said, You tell that man, I'll have his head. And Elijah lost some faith. Now you begin to wonder now, this man who called fire down from heaven, who believed God, who stood against the false prophets, 850 to 1, you've got to wonder what happened to this man. He needed to learn a lesson. And God knows how to teach us a lesson. And he began to run, and God took care of him. And finally he brought him to a cave. And then he began to test him. There was a wind. But God was not in the wind. Friend, there's a lot of winds of doctrines out here that God is not in. And it's blowing everywhere. But God's not in it. And there was thunder and earthquakes. And the earth began to move. There's a lot of earth-shaking things that's happening in the world today. But friend, God's not in it. And then came what God wanted to teach Elijah. Came a still small voice. And Elijah was ready to listen. He knew that God didn't have to speak in a thunder. Hallelujah. He knew he didn't have to speak in a wind. And he knew he didn't have to do something spectacular. All Elijah had to do was tune that ear to God and God would tell him something. And the first thing he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And I'm sure Elijah woke up and really wondered what he was doing there. I mean, what was the matter with me that I took my journey and run from that Jezebel and find myself in a cave and God having to talk to me like some little simple first grader? What am I doing here anyway? And then he was quick to think. And he said, well, Lord, if you really want to know why I'm here, I was jealous for you. That's why I'm here. Because uh, and they've just been slaughtering people all over the world, paraphrasing it, and all of this. And they've been killing them all, and I'm the only one that's left. <laughs> that's why I'm here, God. I'm the only one left. <laughs> and then the Lord said, Elijah, that's crazy. I've got 7,000 individuals that haven't bowed a knee to Baal yet. Thank God. There is people out there in God's world that hasn't bowed to this world. Haven't been taken asunder by secular things. And so Elijah learned his lesson. He learned that God can talk to this. If we get our eyes off of the supernatural, always looking for something great. A jump, a leap, a shout, and all these things. And all this is good and necessary. But that's not the only time God's around. You'll find Him greater in the stillness of the hour. And you'll find you more able to ascertain what He says in the stillness of the hour. And when you're in problems, and when you're in trouble, and when you're despairing, and when you're discouraged, and when nobody or nothing else has the answer, get alone with Jesus. And let him feed you from that manna reserved just for.
for you. Nobody else gets to eat out of it because they don't understand it. It's just for you that are striving to be overcomers. You haven't overcome yet. You're still facing things that you're striving to overcome. You're striving to mature. You're striving to be perfect. You haven't made it yet. And you know it. And God says, I'm going to give you the privilege of eating from the hidden manna. And it's going to make a difference in your life if you lead it. In other words, I'm going to reveal something to you from this Word that you never knew, and I'm going to make it personally yours. I'm going to come and I'm going to put my arms around you. If you'll open this word, if you'll have an ear to hear what it says, I'm going to put my arms around you and I'm going to give you what it takes for you to face this day. It's in the word. It's the Bible. And friend, in spite of everything that's happening today, and a lot of things I know is going to happen, I wouldn't take anything in this world for this that God has breathed upon and made alive. It's my rock. It's my sword. It's my shield. It's my buckler. It's my healer. Anything I need, I find in Him and His Word. Let us stand. First of all, I'm going to ask tonight, I don't know why we're dwelling in this vein, but I'm going to ask tonight for those who are actually struggling. You've actually got you a problem. You actually really don't know where to turn. You don't know what the answer is. And you're just weak. And you wonder how much longer can this go on and how much longer can I hold out. I'm going to ask first for you to come. Because I believe here tonight, here tonight, God's hand is ready to come right down from heaven and give you a spiritual meal in your life that will sustain you through this hour. I'm not going to tell you he'll take the problem from you or even solve it tonight. But I am going to tell you that you can find victory and joy in the midst of your problem. Musicians would come. I'm going to ask you to begin to think about that. I know somebody is here like that. Maybe more than one somebody. And I want God to reach your heart. I want God to satisfy your yearning soul. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Hidden manna. God, do we need it? I believe we do. Deal with hearts, Master. There's no reason. There's no reason for us to be tempest-tossed tonight, Jesus. When we have you, and we have your strength, we have your power, and we have your promise. Jesus, help me. Now, would you slip out of your seat right now? You're not confessing anything. There's times when all of us will be have problems in times like this. I want you to be obedient to God and slip out of your seat right now and come right down here and stand. The church will be praying with you.